again, by the way, thank you for being here and uh, for online with us. Um, I'm glad you decided to take part in our uh, Christmas Sunday celebration. So, the holiday season uh, echoes with many joyous songs. That's uh, one of the annual events, right? In my reading this week, I, I found an author, I saw an author who said, think about it. When in life are more people singing more of the very same songs more of the time than now? We, the styles may be different. The radio station may play classical or country. It may play pop or Christian contemporary or whatever the music styles it is, but all of them are singing some version of Christmas songs. You can't go to the store without hearing Christmas songs. You walk by people and they're humming. Sometimes well, sometimes not so well. It's okay. Uh, why? It's because there's no other time, like no other time, the music of Christmas brings us together. It unites us. Uh, during the season preceding Christmas, we all listen to the very same songs every year without fail. There are very few new Christmas songs. And when they bring one out, it seems different at least, or weird even. Uh, radio stations started playing music depending on which one. Some of them started before Thanksgiving. They said, October's done, let's start the Christmas music. Okay. Um, and for some of them, that's all they play around the clock from whenever they started till maybe January first, beginning of the new year. Uh, from, from old little town of Bethlehem and away in a manger to white Christmas, uh, there really is no secular and sacred divide at Christmas. No matter how commercialized, the author concludes, no matter how commercialized and materialistic the season becomes, Christmas still belongs to Jesus. And we sing his songs, folks. We sing his songs, everybody singing his songs. But, as you know, this year has been unlike anything we've ever experienced. 2020 interrupted our lives with all kinds of stuff. Global pandemic, obviously, but also uh, social unrest and crazy political discord and people who can't figure out how to, well, never mind, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, People, though, people including you and me have been asking more questions than ever before. You know, where's the joy? Oh, where are the good tidings? Where's the good news? I don't see any good news. All I see is bad news. They're saying, well, what about peace on earth and goodwill to men? There's no, hardly any goodwill, right? What kind of God would do this to us? Oh, that's a good question. What kind of God would allow this to happen? What kind of God? You fill in the blank. You've either heard it or to ask it yourself. What kind of God? 
For example, what kind of God thinks he can tell me what to do? That was our, our first parents' problem in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they, they believed some dishonesty about God uh, and about rebellion against him and about humans apart from God. They, they believed some lies that were presented to them. And because they believed those lies, they distrusted God as well as each other. You know, they thought they were in it together until they got into it. And then all of a sudden there was finger pointing. Well, it's not my fault, it's her fault. Well, it's not my fault, it's that snake's fault. Guess what? You're all in it. Um, their, their distress led to disobedience, and their disobedience led to destruction, disease, and death, and now it defines our world. This is not the world God created us for. Our world is broken and riddled with these things, destruction, disease, and death. And unfortunately, our first parents passed that, all that distrust and disobedience onto all of their offspring, and we've not done anything to make this world better. I, I, I always scratch my head when people talk about, you know, the world is getting better. <laughs> really? Are you paying attention? That's, that's kind of what I think. I'm sorry. Uh, what kind of God allows all this brokenness and chaos? I mean, that's not an uncommon question. I mean, because destruction, disease, and death define this broken world, we're in an endless struggle with this mess. And we're in an endless struggle with insert uncertainty. This, uh, this pandemic and all the craziness of 2020 has only accentuated and put the spotlight on the fact is we don't know what's going on in the next 60 seconds or 24 hours. We hate not knowing. We desire answers that we can hold or we can see a counselor wrote in, in her blog, uh, we crave certainty. Uh, we like predictability. We strive for control by putting people and things into two categories, good or bad, right or wrong, moral or immoral, beautiful or ugly, yes or no, black or white. It, it seems so easy to manage our life this way. Just pick between two choices. Unfortunately, the world is entirely made up, she says, of varying shades of gray. Almost every person issue or problem is nuanced. That's a really fancy word for mixed up. We're incredibly, we as human beings, she says, are incredibly complicated creatures and we create extremely complex problems. We couldn't possibly fit ourselves or our world into clean, tiny little boxes of good or bad. We need to learn to live in the gray, she says. And living in the gray allows us the opportunity to cultivate compassion and empathy for people 
who disagree with us. Perhaps, she suggests, we should start asking questions. Instead of pigeonholing people and sticking them in a box, perhaps we should start asking questions, simple questions like, well, simple to ask, what can I do to help myself right now? What can I do to help other people right now? What can I do to remember this isn't just about me? How can I contribute to this situation without doing harm or adding chaos and division? Oh. Simple questions to, to say require little work to answer. No wonder we like just going, slapping things into boxes. The truth of the matter is we often trust what we can see more than what we can't see. And one of the things we can't see is Jesus. So it brings up a question. If our first parents believed some lies about God, what kind of God created us? I mean, how can we replace the dishonesty that was introduced to our race and to our world about God with the truth about Him? How will we ever move beyond that dishonesty and distrust to real trust and from disobedience to obedience? And if it's possible, how, how can we join God in destroying destruction, death, disease, and to bring healing to this world? How can we do that? Well, fortunately, God has not left us alone to figure this out. He's given us the Bible, which is first last and always about revealing to us who he is, about telling us the truth about God. Uh, it, the, the Bible is not about how we can live a better life, how we can be successful. It's not about how to be a better person or even a good Christian. The Bible is about drawing us to our knees in the presence of God. And our hearts crying out, holy, holy, holy. Not out of fear, but out of awestruck love and amazement <clears throat> that someone like this would love me so much. So what kind of God invites us at this time, particularly this time of year, what kind of God invites us to recognize him as our king? We don't crown him king because he is king. You either recognize that he's our king or we don't recognize that he's our king. How? But he invites us to recognize him, to receive him as king, to welcome him as our king. And here's the answer to the question. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9. We'll be going there shortly. The, the answer, though, might take your breath away because it's not what you would expect. Uh, Isaiah's entire prophecy, every single chapter from one to the end, 
uh, points to human pride and arrogance that builds distrust and disobedience. Page after page, though, also invites God's people to trust the Lord to heal them and to restore them and to help them to trust Him even when they don't understand at all what's going on. This is a passage of Scripture that's often uh, read at Christmas time, and there's a good reason, because this is Isaiah speaking several hundred years before Jesus was born, uh, but we, as we look back, we can say, oh, he's talking about Jesus. Listen to what he says, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment filled or rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us is child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yeah, the answer, the Lord's answer to our pride and distrust is not more pride. Not more power to crush and overwhelm what little power we think we have. His answer is a baby. What kind of God asks us to be to recognize him as our king. A baby. Think about that for a moment. There is very little in this world more powerless and helpless than a newborn baby. The only thing they can do is scream and sleep. Eat and... Exactly. And then they scream again. Right? Uh, 
An infant can't brag or boast about anything because, well, first of all, she can't talk, right? Uh, but even if he could speak, he still could not boast. She's completely dependent on mom and dad to take care of her, to feed her, to change her, to comfort her. Babies can't do a thing. It's a wonderful thing to be able to lay a baby down and know that when you come back in two minutes, it's still going to be where you left it. Once they start crawling, it's all over. Unless you Velcro them to the wall. Do not recommend that, by the way. But you turn your back and they're not going to be where you thought they were because they get mobile. Here's the truth. The Almighty did not enter the world as a judgmental titan set on condemning it, but he came as a loving participant whose ultimate work of healing came through his ultimate loving sacrifice on the cross. The only time an adult, maybe, perhaps, comes to the place where they're as helpless as, as a newborn baby is one of those times when they're nearing death, perhaps when they're literally nailed to the cross. <clears throat> the Lord, the God who created us, the God who asked us to recognize him as our king, is the only God whose love for us prompted him to become a baby. He didn't come as an overpowering warrior. He came as a baby. What kind of God becomes a baby? I'm gonna read some verses we've read several times throughout this year. to describe Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of humans. And when he be had become as a human, his, in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What kind of God moves from power to powerless? What kind of God moves from receiving honor to not receiving any honor? What kind of God becomes a child Oh, what does he expect from us when we recognize him as his, our king? 
On more than one occasion while teaching about his kingdom, Jesus would point to a child and say something like, whoever wants to enter the kingdom of heaven, whoever wants to be part of God's kingdom family must become like a child. <coughs> we think, oh, that's sweet. The people who heard him the first time weren't so sure that it was sweet. Here's why. In the first century, just about everywhere, children held no status or value in the community. Now, that's not the way we look at kids. Kids are, can become the center of mom and dad's lives. But in that century, children held no value. Children were more like slaves in the sense that they were property to somebody and not, had no status or social value of their own. In the eyes of society, they brought nothing to the table of value, uh, not even themselves. They were worthless. They were useless. They're just children. So here's a rough translation of what Jesus is saying. Unless you become humble like this child, coming to grips with the fact that you have nothing to bring to the table, no claim of entitlement, no rights or no birthrights or otherwise, no privileges, status, or anything else, unless you humble yourself in this fashion, just like this child I've been pointing to, and you enter into the, on the very same level as everyone else, you can't come in to God's kingdom. It's not because, Jesus would say, it's not because I'm barring the door to hold you out. It's because you're disqualifying yourself from even the possibility of perceiving the reality, experiencing the reality of my kingdom to begin with. Becoming like a child isn't sweet, it's a challenge to recognize I bring absolutely nothing to him. And he still wants it? He still wants me? I have nothing to give him. And he still wants me. What kind of God invites us to recognize him as our king? I invite you to think of this. This is the sermon in a sentence, for lack of a better way of putting it today. Uh, what kind of God invites you to recognize him as your, our king or as your king? He's the one who came special delivery wrapped up in love. There's a song I've heard several times. This is one of the new Christmas songs. It's not weird. At least it's not weird to me. I think it's awesome. It's called Baby Jesus. It's by a guy named Jason Gray. And I'm not going uh, to sing it, nor am I going to read the whole thing. I just want to share some, uh, some verses from it, some words from it. Come now. You don't have to fear anymore. There's never been a king quite like this before. He knows it's not easy to let down your guard, that it might take a baby to open your heart and tenderly pull your defenses apart. Because we've learned 
that power is something to fear. So we hide our hearts when power is near. But everything changes when a baby appears. Just want to stop for a moment. Have you ever noticed that? Even the biggest, burliest, meanest, grumpiest old men change their demeanor immediately when you hand them a baby. <laughs> right? Everything changes when a baby appears. And he concludes with ring every bell, shout out the message, all hail the coming of Jesus, king of us all, small and defenseless. Power comes swaddled in meekness to make us feel safe. He came as a baby king. Some Christians say, God only acts to bring himself glory. Everything he does is so people will know how great he is. But what if, what if God's actions simply reveal his glory? What if God doesn't need to create his glory or make himself look good because he already is good? What if glory is our experience? of the brilliant brightness and weight of his holy love. What if glory is actually what we experience mm. when we come into his presence? When we see his work? The Christmas stories that begin, the stories that begin at Christmas end with Jesus' followers sent into the world. to launch a whole new way of being human. A new way of power, a new kind of power, the power, the divine power of self-giving love. So what if sacrificial love is, was, and always will be Jesus' motivation for everything he does. What if he wants to transform our motives until that same kind of self-giving, sacrificial love shapes everything that we do? What if he plans to lead us into our broken world wrapped up in his love? I was introduced to a poem. I don't know where I've been. Well, I do know where I've been. I can't know everything anymore than anybody else can. I was introduced to a little poem called The Work of Christmas. It's by uh, Howard Thurman, a, a theologian, educator, uh, so, a social activist. Uh, he wrote these words. When the song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. Mm -hmm. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the captive, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all peoples, to make music in the heart. I want you to take a moment to consider this. 
the ultimate answer to the question, what kind of God asks me, invites me to recognize him as my king? Is a God who's willing to be a baby. God who comes special delivery, wrapped up in love, to make us feel safe because he came as a baby king. Let's pray. King Jesus, flood my heart with the light of your love. Holy Spirit, reveal the glory and majesty of King Jesus to me right now. Right here. Open my eyes. I want to see my King for who he really is. make a special thank you for those of you who are connecting with us online this morning or at some other point in time. Uh, if you'd like to join the uh, our group, Facebook page group, Champions of Hope, uh, use the link. It's in the description of uh, today's event. You're going to receive some unique content and opportunities to connect with other people who are trying to work with the Holy Spirit and to infuse the hope of Jesus into the people around us. Well, here it is, folks. Unto us, a son is born. Go spread the good news wherever you go. Share God's love with everyone you meet. Go with Jesus to find the lost, heal the broken, release the captives, restore peace, Bring music to every heart. You are sent. Go wherever the Spirit leads you.